It's about history. It's about preservation. It's about sense of place here on Eastern Long Island. With Esperanza Leon, I'm Erwin Levy, and this is Our Hamptons. Esperanza. Erwin. Okay. Greetings. Um, not as breathy as part one of uh, 1957 Fabulous Hamptons, but gosh, you know, I should have really aimed for that though, because we'll touch on a breathy subject in the, this episode. The, the breathy subject <laughs> will come the further east we travel. That's right. And part two and of the fabulous Hamptons 1957 still can't wrap our arms around the fact that this was a 1957 sports illustrated article, but whatever Horace Sutton. Thank you, Mr. Sutton. It was really part you know, one of this. Was yeah. A, was, was travel a writer, travel writer extraordinaire. I mean, for sports illustrated. Okay. I mean, it doesn't mention it in his obituary, but <laughs> we can't figure it out. We're giving up figuring it out, but that's okay. We're, you know, we're, we're going with it because it was really entertaining and we're not going to really rehash it because this episode, we just aired it. This is going to be part two. We basically divided it into territories. Part one to just recap briefly, basically started in, West Hampton and Quag and worked itself out. Primarily, the episode was dominated by Southampton. Correct. Um, but we sort of moseyed a little bit and skirted into Wainscott, where we left off. And interestingly, Esperanza, very little in the towns between Southampton and Wainscott, if you recall. It was... It's so interesting that it should land this article in Wainscott. I mean, it's it was a destination in 1957, it would seem. It was out of this world. Correct. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was out of this world, but... <clears throat> Incredibly, and it, again, Esperanza, a point we've made over and over in our Hamptons over the past couple of seasons. Yes, Southampton, yes, East Hampton, but boy, Watermill, Bridgehampton, Sagaponic, just farmland that there, Horace Sutton, a travel writer, did not elaborate on those areas at all. At all. No, no. But moving into East Hampton proper, as Mr. Sutton did after departing Wainscott, where if you recall, we were discussing the 475 to 875 steak that you broiled yourself at Out of This World. Um, I mean, could I just, I know we did this already, but I'm just so stuck on how he describes the decor of this place. I knew you were going to go back there. I that just really can't. made an impression of you. On it you, it just you know? does because it it it's such a it's such a picture of sort of a a local bohemia. I can't even I don't know how else to describe it. Where <laughs> the decorating motif he writes, which includes at some juncture or other pink brick. Grecian heads, Japanese flags, and fishnet is probably early Martian. That's us out of this world. You, you, 
It made an impression on you during I the want, episode. I want this place here now. Uh, oh my gosh. That, hey, you know, everything old is new again. It is. Everything is retro, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. But he goes now getting into East Hampton proper. And he discussed that 875 broil it yourself. How, and this place is still here. Now we're going back 65, almost 66 years. How that 875 will scarcely purchase an entree at the Hedges, the Hedges Inn, which Esperanza, now I didn't know this. Apparently that was a branch of New York's pavilion. Which um, I'm not familiar with. Or uh, am I? Okay. Or am I? But, okay. but it sounds very <clears throat> officious. It, it really does. I, you know, again, making it with that New York East Hampton uh, connection, even though well, so many years ago. But I love Mr. Sutton's description how the overpaid <laughs> are overfed an exquisite assortment of French preparations in a setting which with its greenery and soft tree lights is a bread of be of a bistro in the, all right, Esperanza, I'm going to give it a whirl. Although I may, I may reach out to you to clean it up. The Bois de Boulogne. Oh, oh, your French is just magnifique. Erwin. Really? Not bad. Le Bois de Boulogne. Oh, now that was <laughs> that that was better. That was thank you for that. Thank you for cleaning it up. Uh, you know, the only thing I can liken it to is when one of my grandchildren is eating an ice cream cone, and I say, "Can I have it to clean it for you?" As I eat half of it, so it doesn't drip <laughs> all over them. So, thank you for cleaning that up. But dinner will run about $20 a person. That was real money. I'm going back 65 yeah, years, $20 for sure. a person. And it's the only restaurant in the United States where the waiter can carry $80 of food in one hand. <laughs> and now here, this really sort of says it when he describes the hedges run by a diminutive and I could pay, I, we've all seen this kind of maitre d', right? I, I remember this from my childhood, in fact, like this kind of individual. Right. So, like, like just, so vividly. Yeah, like, and I, even Ivy, even like the pavilion in New York, this diminutive, unsmiling Frenchman named Henri Soule, whose her ample girth and dour mien seem to indicate that he may, may white well have been nourishing on his own food and paying up on his own checks. Like I, <laughs> We've all seen this guy, you know, with the attitude, like a bad attitude. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, which I guess was part of the whole experience of going to a place like this. Definitely. And it's it's definitely not something that you will see today. No. It's not hip. No. It it really isn't to be. Everything to, is hip these days. You yeah. know that, right? Well, hip and upscale. Hip and upscale. Um, yeah. This, you know. this was just conservative and upscale. Yeah, this was just, you know, conservative, <laughs> you know, like the guy with, you know, the, the matron thing would sneer at you, you know, like, you know, that whole thing. Um, but, you know, again, he elaborates a little more, you know, if you can pass Sule, uh, you're getting into, now here he gets into whole confines of East Hampton, how, where and we all know where the hedges is, you know, it sort of looks right onto the little green, the cemetery, the South End Cemetery opposite. The approach delights the eye, a reed fringed 
elm-shaded pond. He's talking about town pond here, obviously. And beyond that, the sloping South End Cemetery. Good description here, actually, Esperanza. He's really, I mean, an excellent writer. I I mean, it really is an island between two roads because it is going between Main Street and James Lane. It really is a little, it really is a beautiful description. And And what's, you know, what is so amazing, it's still this way. That's correct. I mean, really, apart from having two guys constantly weeding the pond these days of its algae bloom. Um, (laughs) um, It really does look the way he describes it. The, the cemetery with the wild tiger lilies and just, it's exactly that way still. And boy, do, do we have to thank the ladies village improvement society and past generations of village um, government to, for that. I'm totally down with doing that. And, you know, because I often marvel, and, you know, this is something we've spoken about, Esperanza, on prior episodes of Our Hamptons, like, you know, standing in front of Mulford Farm and either looking, it didn't matter which way you looked, in front of you, behind you, you know, that vista is really pretty much unchanged. Yeah, for you the know, most over, part. You'll see most yeah, part a crop over, of some new roofs, but it's, it's definitely... Right, the essence but, is still there. Yeah. But especially when, again, that South End Cemetery, looking across that, I mean, really extraordinary. I mean, yeah. really a miracle of preservation, and we're yeah. so grateful yeah. for it. Mr. Sutton, however, Esperanza does continue talking about how the artists came in the 1870s, the gray shingle houses, all of the cultural overtones in East Hampton, the summer theater crowd. And again, we, this is fact. I mean, John Barrymore was here, Wallace right. Lee, Irvin Cobb, you know, other theater people, Alfred D. Leo Gray Jr., Robert Dowling, Paul Osborne, Robert Montgomery. I have to say, Esperanza, though, I love this part. How after the show, they would go across and it's still there to the 1770 house serving steak, shrimp, and hamburger sandwiches in the cupboard room. Esperanza, are you aware of the cupboard room? I've never um, heard that before. Nope. Not, I cannot say that I am, but definitely I am familiar with the telephone booth bar in the basement okay. <laughs> because it is so tiny. It, I think it seats three people if, if, maybe four you know it's such a fun i love that basement though in in the 1770 i admit now i'm sort of kicking myself that in the you know uh 34 years i've been in east hampton now i've never been in i went to the 1770 house like i've been there for dinner and whatnot but i don't recall ever going into this basement Oh I my gosh, that's the only part I go to. I never eat upstairs. <laughs> I, I mean, I ate upstairs. And again, not a million times, you know. I was more of an O'Malley's type, especially the one on Pantago where I was probably served by a teenage Esperanza Leone at some point. <laughs> uh, you know. Um, I hope uh, I did a good job. That's an episode. We actually did touch on that. And uh, <laughs> we, we, we do speculate if Esperanza Leone actually bust our table, but we'll never really know. <laughs> um, 
but, but Esperanza, so you were actually in this telephone booth bar, which I'm kicking. I have to go now. You I, have I don't to go. Still- I mean, if you've ever done a tour with Hugh King, um, uh, the like a lantern tour, there are tours that he's done where I, I remember one time going into the 1770 and he takes you downstairs because the 1770 was, um, I think it was kind of like used as a part, like a boarding house for the for the students of Clinton Academy. Oh my goodness. And so, but downstairs is this beehive oven. And so one side of the basement, you can see the back of this, uh, you know, it's like the fireplace of, of this oven. Oh my gosh. And then the other side has this hearth of a, you know, huge fireplace. And that's an opposite. The the fireplace is this telephone booth bar. Wow. <laughs> but it's just such a delightful place. I mean, here we are like doing an advertisement for 1770 house, but it's just, it's, it is part of the historic district. It is no question. a historic um, inn. Uh, Esperanza, it's related. We're, we're going, we're doing an article that's 66 years old. Yeah. And they're talking about this and it, so it was there then. It was, it there, was then, there before and then. It's there, yeah, it's there now. And it's, and it's then it's there now. Fairly super unchanged. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Super cool. Super cool. So so Mr. Sutton continues, you know, we're still in East Hampton. Oh, and don't worry, we're getting we're gonna get into the Bohemia soon, but maybe we'll just a tad. That, maybe we'll hear that breathy voice come back, but you know, maybe. You know, I don't want to no pressure on Esperanza for that, but <laughs> So we're talking about the, he's talking about, you know, the board chairman who, you know, this is stuff we've touched on certainly in prior episodes of East Hampton, how the board chairman live in East Hampton too, particularly Lily Pond Lane, the magnificent homes there. And they play largely at the Maidstone Club, another place we've spoken about numerous times in our Hamptons. But I got to, I'm going to give it in Mr. Sutton's very poetic prose. They play largely at the Maidstone Club, where from the headquarters in a large weather-beaten shingle clubhouse, which it is, the view gives out landward to the club's own golf course or seaward to the beach club and its string of cabanas. 23 grass tennis courts, an open-air pool, a great white ballroom where Maidstone members dance eight times a summer under chandeliers strung with fake flowers and strings of crystal beads. The fake flowers really, really get like got me though. I have to say the fake flowers just didn't uh, speak um, wealth. <laughs> I've seen. I mean, had he said silk flowers, I would have been much more. <laughs> And, you know, it's funny, I've seen these fake flowers on display in places that you would think didn't have them. And again, this is 66 years ago. Maybe the Maidstone is no longer doing this. I don't know. Fake flowers are back. There are all sorts of displays. The Maidstone, uh, you know, the Maidstone, former Maidstone arms on on across from the pond now is strung with fake flowers. I don't know. Maybe it's a it's a thing again. And also um, a place I walk and trespass on the grounds quite often because it's right near my house when I go walk by CC on Three Mile oh, Harbor. Do they have the old, fake flowers too? Total fake flower. Yeah, there's like, something I, now. There's it's something like, oh, yeah, that. maybe it is a thing. I mean, to me, it's sort of like, I don't get it. I mean, I 
doesn't really juxtapose with what they're going for. But hey, what do I know? I mean, maybe it is a thing. I don't know. Maybe millennials like it. I don't know. Um, and again, we can't speak to whether the Maidstone members are dancing eight times a summer anymore, Esperanza. We, I don't know. I don't think anybody dances anymore. <laughs> wow. How? Another famous Esperanza Leon segue. I really wasn't even thinking in terms of that, but it's amazing how all of these subjects, Esperanza, I always continue to marvel at it. This is also happening organically. We're not, we weren't planning on this, but it, again, it is something we've touched on how nightlife by and large, not that prevalent anymore. Um, you know. Yeah, we had it, you know, in the first part of our conversation, uh, the previous episode, we, we it was about these parties at homes right. that would go on until dawn, right? Until That's completely true. And, the you know, wee again, hours. part of it, you know, I mean, again, we're, we're not going to go down this road. It's in a, something we've discussed in prior episodes, but um, uh, yes, we... East Hampton, Southampton don't really have sewers in the downtown district. They're limited into the wet uses, blah, blah, blah. Sag Harbor does more nightlife, whatever. Um, so again, to Esperanza's point, that's why in Southampton, particularly, we heard so many of those stories with the private parties going on. But Esperanza, I'm excited to move into this, albeit it's not all that bigger part of it but no no and not so much an unknown part of it but as we move farther east we are moving farther east to as mr sutton says how the town ramparts like that description that's very very funny have been i love the way he phrases this esperanza have been and i quote Reached, reached. Yeah, this was the early incursion. <laughs> this was the right, exactly. You know, of it was the early, early, Holly early Hollywood, early Hollywood. Not, not we're not going to not present day of so much of entertainment where we have all sorts of entertainment now. As we have, you know, movie directors, film, hip hop, musicians, ever anything and everything, but. Mr. Sutton is talking more about how it was breached, again, late 1950s, by television writers, directors spilling over into the neighboring community of Amagansett. Esperanza, come on. How much do we love this phrase? God, this guy can write. We got to give him that. Sort of a hive for bohemians where the colony has been joined for the summer by the Arthur Millers, and it was Arthur Miller with Marilyn Monroe. If like other Hampton visitors, they first came to look and then returned to build, the arty ones can probably, probably be counted on to turn out imaginative abodes. Get a load of this. That zoning laws and pure local horror <laughs> would prevent in, say, Quag or Southampton. But it's so interesting that it should go from <clears throat> this uh, mention of the Arthur Millers, uh, which was their 1957 stay in, um, in Amagansett, where they actually did retreat to a property that is now for sale, but a really historic 
in and of itself property without their having stayed there, um, which is a, a converted windmill, right? That's right. And and so then it goes on to say, you know, these imaginative abodes, but here you have one, a windmill that was turned into a private home. That's great. You know, and is now for sale for many millions of dollars right. um, and hopefully will be preserved because there's nothing protecting it. Oh, and that's just an aside. Oh, right, right. <laughs> but, but again, touching on how the local horror would prevent it in, and when they're referring to Quag, I'm assuming they're referring to an incorporated village of Quag, and which I has always had sort of that kind of reputation in Southampton as well. Um, but again, we're going to continuing on here, how the artists, they cluster and come the weekends in an Amagansett brow house, brew house, whatever, called the elm tree. And Esponza, did you know much about the elm tree in an Amagansett? Because again, there's another one of those things, not a ton of information on it. Yeah, no, I've, I'd heard of it. There's, there seems to be an elm something out here, both in Southampton and East Hampton. And I, I do have heard of this one, but um, not familiar. Right. It was you know, before and- my time. It was before our time, but apparently this was sort of, again, like sort of an, a bohemian outpost, if you will. Um, you know, it was attracted, you know, the Abex artists that were out there, you know, at the time came from their Houston Springs, or as he puts it, east of East Hampton's Eden. Um, you know, and he, you know, we're going to go back to the... the we're going to go back to and bring in Evan Frankel in a minute here, but um, just to sort of wind down how Mr. Sutton talked about how there was surfless bay swimming safe for children in the quietude of Gardner's Bay, where a writer, an avant-garde artist, or somebody strictly with moderate vision can look across to the curving arm of Long Island and see the stacks and steeples of promised land. And interestingly, Esperanza, this is sort of where this article ended. Um, no mention of Montauk at all. Yeah, no, no, I know. It's so interesting. Um, it just like it skipped right over what you mentioned, you know, Bridgehampton Watermill. Right. You know, it was just... I guess the highway uh, lined with uh, uh, stands selling corn and clams, right? Apparently, you know, um, it wasn't worth a mention. He touched, as I, you know, briefly, this was sort of where the article wrapped up. Um, And again, just not saying he was casting aspersions at Montauk. I don't think he was, but it was just interesting how he sort of ended it at Promised Land, um, which only touched on in a sentence, really, you know, didn't get into the fish factory, didn't touch on any of that, but, you know, just touched on the vistas and, um, you know, how it was sort of like, you know, the looking across from vantage points on Gardner's Bay, particularly in Springs, you saw it was like an arm Promised Land, you could see Mm -hmm. from those Mm -hmm. vistas. But I think we should wrap up this article this story, this fabulous Hamptons 1957 with 
someone really prominent in that day, in that era. And Esperanza, that was Evan Frankel, um, you know, bought, occupied a carriage house, really like a very old Tudor style house at the time. Um, about, about uh, you know, on Hither Lane. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he spoke about how built the swimming pool on that house with a foundation within the within the foundation of the main house greek statuary yeah because I, I think the uh, the house had burned down so what he did was repurpose the, the foundation and it became this uh very uh unique swimming pool right right you know and he it even talks about it here how um Greek statuary tucked into the niches of red brick walls around the pool, greenery growing out of the old sewer pipe painted white, you know, bathers crunching mulberries from a fertile tree with their bare feet and a cascade tumbling from boulders above. The setting is as ripe as old Rome, you know, and but Evan Frankel, I mean, had an interesting history, and we're not going to delve too deep. He could be an episode all unto himself, but he sure. was very was very active in preservation within East Hampton Village. You know, I was I don't know if he was on the East Hampton Village board at the time or was just on a the planning board, but planning I mean, he was board. Pre mm -hmm. pretty active in like suppressing a lot of things that could have happened. Um, yeah, I mean, by the sheer virtue of having some wealth that he could invest in properties and, um, you know, repurpose them as he did his swimming pool, uh, convert them and and just maintain sort of the essence and character of, of the area, you know, along Newtown Lane and so forth, Montauk Highway. And then, of course, as uh, as you know, and most people are very familiar with, um, he was the co-founder with uh Jacob M. Kaplan of the Jewish Center of the That's Hamptons right. on Woods Lane, um, where they commissioned Norman Jaffe to design this magnificent um, uh, building, uh, the Grove, right? It's called That's something. Right. Yep. Um, and it's still to this day, I mean, it's such an architectural gem and it's mentioned all the time in, in, in magazines, periodicals, and books. Uh, and yeah, and just... Um placed where it was really, um, you know, not at, at the sort of unofficial or approaching the, uh, you know, obviously the boundary of East Hampton Village is a little bit further to the West. Yeah, but, but it's definitely the entrance to East Hampton. Most people think about it as when you make the turn onto mm -hmm. Woods, you know, from Woods mm -hmm. Lane onto Main Street. Yep. That's really where you feel the heart of East Hampton Village is the unofficial start, if you will, of East Hampton Village. And honestly, when you look back, um, Evan Frankel and some of the other founders, the the foresight they showed to engage a Norman Jaffe. Oh, for I, I was just going to say that. Yes. I think, you know, because there is an old shingle style building on that property, right? That's but right. Jaffe had such a sensitivity to this landscape and this this aesthetic of, of the aesthetic of the area that anything he made, it was contemporary, but it just fit you know, fit with, with the context. Completely true. And I mean, honestly, it was that really for me, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to editorialize. I'm just going to offer really just my own personal opinion. Um, 
that was a gift to the entire community to have, and whether it was a temple, whether it was whatever it was, but to have a Norman Jaffe building. And Esperanza and I were talking about this before we went on air, how we read all the time Norman Jaffe houses left and right just being, I think one recently right next to Cooper's Beach, just leveled. Um, the fact that we have a Norman Jaffe at the entrance, unofficial entrance to East Hampton Village is a gift for anybody to enjoy. And if you've ever been in, whether you're you know, a member of that synagogue where you've just had the, the privilege to be in that building, it is a privilege to mm -hmm. be in that building. It is just yeah. a moving structure, a modern, I just, it's just a beautiful piece of architecture. It uh, lifts I mean, the no spirit, I think, I, you know, it does it, in whatever way, you know, just it, it you, you're bathed in it somehow. Completely. You don't, mm -hmm. you don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to be a member of that no, synagogue no, to feel no. something mm -hmm. when you go in there. It is just such a beautiful spiritual experience to be there. Just how bright it is and open and light. And just, just an, again, I, I'm not an architect, but that, that's an example. That is an example. Whatever that he was going for, my gosh, he attained. Yeah. And it's so tragic that um, so many Norman Jaffe buildings, um, residences in particular, have just been demolished left and right, especially in the past even just five years, I think. Yeah. I'm... As usual, and it's something that's happened very frequently on our Hamptons. We go from the light. We hit of, a somber uh, note. <laughs> we, we go from the lightness of the of, 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 of the Bohemians and the Elm Tree Inn in Amagansett uh, to, you know, reflecting on Norman Jaffe's, you know, being victim to a bulldozer. And, but, you know, uh, this is this is life. Right. And this is right. um, what is actually to me so captivating about our East End is the variety of characters, you know, like you like to call them the cast of characters. That's right. They're so various and so diverse, um, including, you know, the Elm Tree Inn in this article mentions the Liss family. I I knew the Liss. I know right. I'm like best friends with a, a grandson of Joe Liss, you know, so right. it just it's and this is that this is that place where you have these encounters and these connections with people there's it to me is no coincidence it's sort of like a, a fate you know uh, that occurs out here more often than not a thousand percent and Esperanza again something we've both mentioned on more than one occasion um with the challenges we're facing and with the changes we're observing um there's still that sense of place does still exist you know and it's it's hanging on by a thread by but a th here <laughs> right and and you we're know, trying and to hold on to it we are trying to hold on to it. It, it but it's so gratifying that it is and you know just the fact that you can relay such a personal story right as you just did um to sort of really almost tie this entire episode together um, yeah yeah i mean you know it, it just and i'm it's i'm i'm reading uh, this part about the elm tree and and the and the role that Liz has played with all these bohemia right, right. Uh, uh, this, this uh cast of artists and and writers and so forth and among them is eli wallach and and our eli wallach and ann jackson and right. to connect the two 
I was in the Jewish center in that building by Norman Jaffe for a presentation with Eli Wallach and Ann Jackson. Wow. So full circle. I mean, this is again, how marvelous this place is that it's not about having the selfies and, you know, this is not what these people preoccupied themselves with. It was true living and um, and we're so fortunate to be able to, you know, have this history that was relayed from 1957 actually continue in so many ways today. Yeah. I mean, again, it's another theme we continue to touch on in our Hamptons, how whatever the special sauce of this place is. You know, you mentioned, you know, you, you, the, you know, your experience of seeing Ann Jackson and Eli Wallach. I remember the episode we did, um, you know, with the SAG main set, you know, how all of those writers, the Hamptons glitterari, the literary, you know, just, yeah, just yeah. drawn to be here. And, yeah. you know, it's the special sauce, Esperanza. It is. And I mean, if we can even maybe close on this, because Mr. Liss, in talking about the elm tree, he says, the elm tree was open to everyone. Right. Gay, straight, white, black. It was a who's who of the art world, show business, and politics. That's right. And I mean, again, this is the townies would hang out on weekends and shout and scream at patrons as they were leaving. I mean, all of this is. Still today. (laughs) Such a great point. Such an important point, because again, in, and again, remember 1957, this was a more conservative place than it is now. Yet that existed. You know, the club swamp in the seventies existed in the, and those nightclubs, you know, preceding club swamp in Wainscott existed. This place opened its arms for everyone. And it, did. Been, it did. It did. And that's though, been its history. Even though, even though in, in what he says, he says the townies would hang out on weekends and shout and scream at patrons as they were leaving. That wasn't very welcoming, but <laughs> we all coexist. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Which <laughs> such a great, you never know where we get to end, where, where an episode of our ham, that, that happens completely organically, but Esperanza is such a great point and such a great point to end this episode on because, you know, even back in the day, really, uh, the arms were open for everyone, you know, in this place. And I think I'll leave it there. Great. Esperanza, that was, man, that was a another adventure. <laughs> and I have to say, a powerhouse close, Esperanza. Oh, well, you brought it in. You know. Comes naturally. Exactly. Still not, I'm not rusty yet. (laughs) Not yet. Well, anyway, thanks. That was fantastic. Lots of fun. Bye, Erwin. Until next time. Thanks so much for joining us. New episodes of Our Hamptons are released every other Tuesday. Find them wherever you get your podcasts. 